episode of Third Degree Burn. I am uh, your host, Tim Elliott, and today we have a, a smaller crew. We have Brian. Hey! And we have John. Hey there! Now, and Tim, I gotta ask you, are you, are you sure you're you? I you kind of stutter, stuttered a little bit there. <laughs> well, I've almost forgotten how to do this. It's been so long. Um, <laughs> yeah. you, know, we've been, <laughs> I, you know, my wife and I recently moved, so our life has kind of been in, in turmoil because we've been trying to put things back together and it's just, it's hard to fit in time to podcast. And uh, so it was nice to kind of get back into it. And don't I know it? Don't I know it? We're, we're moving to uh, yeah. just a few weeks. You're, we're moving to a newer home. Yeah. Yep. And I'm uh, packing everything up and I'm like, I almost, I, it's like, fortunately I only packed away my headphones. So I'm using them cheap set of headphones today but i almost packed away my microphones and i'm just whoa 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 am i still recording don't need that nope. well brian nope. do you want to tell us this was uh this was brian's idea to do this and because mm -hmm. he had a he um because of news he he received or something he'd read yeah it, so was, this was, his it idea was reported doing this. yeah it was reported earlier this week that uh mike mcclan who uh inked uh, a good number of the west coast avengers issues uh, passed away. And I, of course, I'd read where Byrne himself had said that uh, he really liked Mike's work on uh, on Byrne's art. Uh, and he was sad to hear of his passing. So they, they'd mentioned that on Byrne's website, burnrobotics.com. And, you know, I, I was sitting there trying to remember my thoughts on that. I remember at some points I thought that his line was too thin. And uh, other times I was like, no, no, I really liked it. But so I wanted to go back and take another good long look at it uh, under the various types of uh, copy that it could come out on to sit there and say whether or not, you know, how, how good it was or how it measured up to other inkers. And uh, so we'll get to do, go into a little bit of that today. Now, let me ask you guys, what was your uh, what was your first exposure to? Burns West Coast Avengers. And then the issue we're covering today is West Coast Avengers 42, which would be Burns' first issue. And this is, of course, kind of the beginning of something that we're going to be doing here on Third Degree Burn. Now, as, as you may know, we're kind of changing things up a little bit. We're going to split up into little groups and do some uh, different book coverage. But we're also going to kind of do some little spotlighting work, much like back to the bins avengers spotlight and we're going to start with avengers west coast here so we're going to cover the entire burn run on avengers west coast it's just not going to be you know all at once we, we, we'll, we'll go sequentially kind of like we did with uh x-men elsewhere so every couple of months you're going to see an avengers west coast issue uh, as part of our index coverage there 
Uh, and that's it, it, it will move that into other books as we get to them. We want to go back to Burns' original Avengers coverage at some point. Uh, we want to cover, you know, his Star Trek runs, uh, you know, like New Visions and other books uh, in the same kind of way. So uh, that'll give us, you know, give you, a, you know, like the, the whole series that he did and hopefully give you greater appreciation for uh, a lot of those books where his runs weren't that long. Yeah. Well, we're going to, we were, we talked about, we covered the first two issues of next men and we discussed mm -hmm. doing that consecutively. So that as we right. covered next men, we'll do that chronologically or numerically instead of just jumping around to kind of whichever book we, you know, we, we happen to like, but, uh, that was the only reason why you picked this book. Was it Brian? Um, What's the, the, ink, the anchor? Well, yeah, I, I mentioned that just a little while oh, ago oh, that Mike McClane okay. passed away. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I definitely want to take a look at, at his work. Now, again, let me ask you guys, did you first read this when, when it came out or did you find it later? I read it off the shelf because I, I came back it to shelf. it. I started uh, West Coast and then I think I stayed on it for – maybe 25 30 issues and uh, just the artwork was getting a little lackluster so i dropped off and then once burn came on the book of course i immediately followed him over to it and started reading it again and you john uh i found i saw this on the rack i really wasn't picking up comics that much at that time busy life where i lived everything and so i only picked up stuff that really really interested me to read if i was going to and i saw this and of course i love his work on x-men and fantastic four earlier and all and you know avengers and all that stuff so i saw the cover on the the rack and i was like oh that was that's burns uh cover what's going on you know and but i but i also know that sometimes what's inside doesn't necessarily mean it's the artist from the cover but i still picked it up because uh, uh, it interested me and then it was burns artwork and i was like yeah so i read it uh so i got it and read it uh off the shelf or off the rack yeah i actually got to see um xeroxes of penciled pages mm. of this stuff a couple months before it actually hit the stands Wow, that's cool. Um, I tell you, if if podcasting had been a thing back in the late 80s, it would have been my heyday. I would have been doing it. I would have been covering stuff like this and, and just, you know, would have been a blast. I mean, I was in college um, and I just got gone back to UTA and was really digging into radio, TV and film. Uh, that was my major. And so I was doing stuff on the uh, on, on there, but they didn't really like us covering geek type items. So I really had to go more pop culture, more, you know, common things, Wayne's world and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Saturday night live and, you know, but the Simpsons and whatnot, you know, but I, I didn't get to cover stuff like this on there. Uh, the only time I got to cover anything that was really geek was when I did uh, my series on uh, movie soundtracks and the different composers so, but you know that that being said, you know here I was, and I was I was going to every convention, the creation conventions, Larry Cons, and fantasy fairs and whatnot. And I just remember at this one one, I believe it was a Larry Con. Um, there was a fellow there, Peter David, 
And uh, I had in my possession a couple books of Photon. Do y'all remember Photon, the first laser tag? Oh, yes. Oh, oh, okay. And you you, you could go out to these places, like the laser tag places that are around today. Photon was like the very first one, and it was just a blast doing that because they pumped up the area with a lot of uh, uh, dry ice uh, smog and or fog and all that. And uh, Peter David had written six books under the ghost name of David Peters about Bod Lee, and uh, This Is Your Life, I think was the title of the first one. Anyway, so... Uh, I had that, and I had some, uh, I think it was the Sin Eater issues, uh, the death of Gene DeWolf that I got Peter David to sign. And he and I actually got into long conversations because it was just the two of us there. It was really light on on people at that point in time. And we really got headed off and got along, and, and uh, we're having good conversation. And then he just kind of looks around for a moment, and he goes, hey, and he kind of, you know, like, come in close and i said what what and he goes you want to see some john Byrne pages from avengers and i'm like do i and he goes yeah but first you got to look at these and he handed me jeff purvey's pages from the hulk which was uh from the 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 issue where the hulk and the thing fought and i had never seen purvey's pencils before so i was like wow this is it is so ugly but beautiful at the same time. That was something about Jeff Purdy's I always thought. And then he let me see the West Coast Avengers stuff. And I was just, you know, dumbfounded and astounded. But it was just the pencils. And I said, wait, wait, wait. Who's inking it? Promise me. Please promise me Al Mogram is not working on this book. I hate his work. And Peter just kind of gets this dejected look and he's like nodding his head a little no. And he goes, no, no, um, um, no, um, Al's, Al's not working on it. And he was kind of quiet and subdued after that. And then a few minutes later, this guy sitting next to him gets up and walks off. And he just kind of nods his head over in that direction. And he goes, that, um, that was Al. <laughs> now, the other thing I've, I've meant to tell you is that I was trying really hard at that time, lobbying hard to get work at both comic book companies. Oh, I my. wanted to become an editor. <laughs> and I pretty much signed and sealed and, you know, that, that I was never going to work in that business right then and there. <laughs> yep. So anything, any application with Brian Hughes name on it went into file 13 immediately. Yeah. No, I was yeah, I was done there. But that's all right. I'm okay in the direction I went. Ah, yeah. that's just a that's a lesson that I that that I probably have done over the years and kind of taught me that you know it, even if I don't like something, it doesn't mean that it's not good for other people and to not be so bold about stuff like oh I can't stand out of that. I mean because like I I really don't like Carmine Infantino's work, but there's so many people that love it. And it's like the same. There's so many people that really abhor Frank Springer's work and they just go off and off and off on it. And I like it. And it's just like, you know, there's ways to say you don't like something without being kind of a dick about it. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, is that you can be critical of Frank Springer, Frank Robbins or, or you know, Frank Miller for oh, that. Frank matter. Robbins. You I'm can sorry, be critical of funny. any of the artists and all that. The thing that you have to recall is guys like Al Milgram aren't just artists. They're editors. And they're second in command at Marvel at that point in time. Yeah, but 
So, <laughs> and you never know who, who you're going to be in front of. There's that right. saying, be careful of the, the toes you step on your, on the way yep. up because uh, they're going to be there on the way down. That's why every time I go to a convention now, I bring a pair of apple-flavored shoes because I never know when I'm going to stick my foot in my mouth. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you guys see anything good lately? There's so much going on. A couple oh, of things yeah. I want to talk about, but what about you guys? Uh, we talked this off-air. Picard's the only thing I have been watching steadily since because we've been so busy moving and unpacking and stuff and with work. But uh, I'm really enjoying... Uh, season three of Picard. It's not perfect, but it is such an improvement over the first two seasons. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, it it's really brought the feels, and it's like, but the, sometimes it's kind of obvious when they're trying to bring the feels. It's like, right now, let's go ahead and give you a first contact feel. Now we're going to give you a Wrath of Khan feel. You yeah, know, there's, you, there's, you can, there's what they call member berries all over it. But um, yeah. And a lot of fan service. But for the most part, it hasn't been so obvious that they are just hitting over the head of, remember this, remember this. Yeah. There was a point in one of the more recent episodes, and uh, I, I haven't watched the last one that just came out, but in, uh, in one of the more recent episodes where, you know, everything is all stressed and they, they're moving in under crunch for time. And, and all of a sudden there's like this little mini segment where they just stop and, smell the roses with each other and i'm just kind of like this is weird i mean it's designed to give you the feels but really it's not the appropriate moment mm. but still it, it's, i i, it's I, I for, can't say i did i didn't enjoy it all of that is just for the fans it's for us yeah yep. it's, it, it's their gift to us to enjoy, have that moment back then i'm really enjoying this it's it's great um it's tng season eight you know <laughs> It is a nice uh, send off for the old for the uh, the next gen cast, and and I really like how they're bringing in certain other characters to do something with them that kind of were were left hanging after the the series ended, you know, way back when, and um, you know, just in case well, people. Well, where do you where do you see? Have you seen the last episode, John? Yes, episode? I have. Okay. Yeah. Don't don't. Where do you don't, see? Don't, it? Don't, I'm not going to spoil anything, but where do you see yeah, yeah. a character they bring in? Right. Yeah, yeah. I have a couple thoughts on what's going to happen, but we'll see. So wow. you know, next week is the finale. I'm really looking forward. Oh wait, uh, no, Brian or uh, Tim, I haven't seen the latest episode because we just got to a point where, oh, do we really want? No, we're just going to wait until the finale. We're going to do a double billing and okay. just watch both because I was thinking, you know, it's going to leave it on a hanger, a cliffhanger that I'm like, ah, now I'm going to have to be totally. Well, there, was a, there was a big cliffhanger the previous episode yeah, um, that they answered. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they've done a good job with, I really like Shaw. I, yeah. I yes. Yes. At first, yep. Right. When they brought him on, I thought, okay, well he's, you know, are, are they going to make him kind of a doofus and ineffectual, but no, he's a good captain. He knows what he's doing. He stands up to, to yep. Riker and Picard when they're obviously good doing, you know, he's a, Everybody acts more. Everybody acts like they're in Starfleet in this season, yeah. as opposed yeah. to yeah. in uh, a high school studies class or something. And everybody's talking about their feelings and things. It's like, no, they were, you know, mm -hmm. they are, uh, you know, they are disciplined. They follow orders. They follow 
the rules of the Federation. So I thought that until was a nice don't. change. Until, until they, they don't. don't. Until they don't. <laughs> That's they did. But no, I get what that. you're saying. No, it, yeah. it is good. I I like it. It, it is it's it's Star Trek again, and I, mm-hmm. and that's what. Yeah. I really feel like we're back in the Star Trek universe with this this season, and it's really good. Well, Strange New Worlds is, is like coming up in a couple months, and that that's also that's really what a good Trek in my be. mind. But we'll we'll talk more Trek next week, won't we, Brian? We're gonna have to, yes. Yeah, cocktails uh, <laughs> and comics and, on this. Yeah, well, you know, also we've got. I mean, the same time that we got the, the finale for Picard which is this coming Thursday. We also have on Wednesday the finale of The Mandalorian, latest season, third season of Mandalorian. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm loving this season as I'm much loving as it, it as the previous ones. Yep, it I is it. awesome. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, yeah, so I'm watching Mandalorian as well. Uh, I'm watching Gotham Knights, really enjoying it. Oh, we hated it so much. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I, I'm actually liking it. I mean, uh, I'm liking it better than I did Titans. I mean, I just got bored with Titans, and I'm not even watching that. Uh, and uh, found this, and I'm like, well, I mean, of course, you know, that's they brought in the new Batman son thing, who's probably going to be Damian Wayne, but maybe they can't get the name because of whatever. I, I don't know what that I don't know what that was. It just was all like uh such contrivance. Well, I'm enjoying it. I mean some of yeah, yeah and I, I see where you're with some of that, but I love the Duella Dent character. because <clears throat> uh, I loved Harlequin from the original Teen Titans. Uh, I didn't like what they did with her in New Fifty Two or after, you know, when they went all dark and crazy and stuff but uh so i I like i'm enjoying it it's it's a yeah just taking away the of their stuff that you just mentioned it's like yeah i'm just gonna enjoy it for what it is and i'm liking it i think if anything we'll we'll see what happens with you know the the crowd feel of it after the whole season's done and maybe we'll go back and watch it but right now we have no interest john that's not set in another shared universe is it it's not in the batwoman universe or or is it a standalone i think it's standalone because uh harvey dent is the is alive and well or doing well oh, yeah yeah he's he's the good guy and he's played does, by the same guy that played like what's his name from uh supernatural um he played, i can't remember that angel's name all of a sudden but uh, I, it, it, the conceits that they they have to do to start this story is just one that you you shouldn't have to do. Uh, and I there are other ways of dealing I, I, with that. I seriously disagree. It's something completely different. It's not beholden to anything that's done before, which gives them some freedom, which I like. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's in the Batwoman universe. I don't think it's in the Archer universe. I don't yeah, think I don't it's think in. It's, any that. it's not yeah. connected to Gotham from the other series in any way because it's not like set before. Um, so but isn't this based off of a game? I I don't know and I don't care. I just like it. That's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I don't well, know and I don't care. <laughs> from what I've heard from some of the reviews, I've heard I haven't watched the show. Uh, so like anybody on the line, I'm going to criticize something I haven't seen. No, uh, it seems more Scooby-Doo than Batman. It's like a team of a group of teens going around solving 
mysteries. If the, nope. maybe that that's fine. I don't know. I again, nope. I don't. They're, I don't have. They're a, after. They're after one mystery. Who killed oh. Batman? Oh, you spoiled it now. Oh. I don't want to watch it now. You spoiled it for me. No, it's it's right <laughs> at the beginning of the series. You can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I've got one other thing that I've watched recently, and I don't think either of you have watched it, and that is Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Either of you checked that out yet? You are I've watched correct. half of it and then I quit. It. What was that, John? You couldn't, couldn't I watched finish half it? of it and I just got bored. Is it on How HBO can I understand already? that? Was is, that? It on H- is it on HBO already? Did you go to the theater and watch it? We did not go to the theater and watch it. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I believe my wife or Chris rented it or whatever. Oh, okay. Did I, whatever. Know it was already out. I know it was already out for rent. Yeah. Um, now we watched it when I watched it, you know, I, I went in kind of expecting it not to be good based on everything that I'd heard. And I was actually entertained as a result, I guess, you know, having that kind of idea going in, uh, made it easier for me to watch. Um, I, I, I just kind of am ready for us to get away from, the kind of humor that we're getting in a lot of these movies. So I can see what turns a lot of people off there, but they actually did address one thing that I was like, yes, finally someone mentions it. And that is where's the fricking wisdom of Solomon. And why is that not aiding Billy or the others in what they do? Now they didn't provide a great answer to it, but at least they asked the question. Now, as far as the villains go, uh, that was, you know, what she expected. Um, I thought Helen Mirren actually uh, was a bright point in there as a villain in how she was portrayed. So uh, she didn't bore me where Lucy Liu did. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought overall it was a good thing, but it, it has to be the last movie simply because all the kids – have grown up so much they're as big as the actors that are they're playing their now. superhuman yeah you know yeah. roles and you know what's aren't the they, point aren't they kind of now that james gunn is kind of redoing everything aren't they kind of wiping out everything and are kind of starting over that looks to be the way i mean the thing is right now because the way black adam and shazam both performed there's really no need to sit there and force a force you know, new stories with those guys. I mean, The Rock is not coming back. Well, that's what I you heard. Know. That they were, you know, obviously Cavill's not coming back, or is he? You know, he's on again, off again. Um, I, I don't, I don't care. Whatever, whatever they do for Superman is whatever they're going to do, and they're and they're going to keep us guessing until the last minute. You exactly. Know? Yeah. So, uh, and, Affleck, and, I don't know if he's in or out. He's. Well, he. Um, the thing is, he's got his. Uh, he's going to be in Aquaman. He's going to be in the Flash. They come out. Um, and I'm sure, you know, I don't know if they've cut him down or if they've left his part the same, but it doesn't look like that Batman is going to be the one that we're going to see with whatever Superman we get. They're going to be contemporaries of each other. So if Superman's 25, Batman's going to be 25. Well, that's it. Yeah, that's it. I guess I've got the Flash movie coming out, that that was going to yeah. reset everything. And yeah. them kind of a new slate or a clean slate so they could do whatever they wanted with it. Um, It'd be great if they did a deep fake with Adam West in there too, you know. 
just get Ralph Garman to do the voice. <laughs> yeah. All so, right. Uh, are we ready? Yeah, so the only other thing what? that is going on in our household is my husband's watching The Ark, and he loves it. The Ark? I keep hearing about it. I saw a trailer for it, and I was really, really uh, intrigued. I just haven't gotten a chance to get yeah. around to it. Getting ready to move has kept me too busy. Well, it's, it kind it's, of, it's, is it kind of high concept, John, or is it? Science fantasy? What is it? I don't know anything about it. It's it's science fantasy. I, it's kind of like basic premises. World was going to hell. Uh, they decided to send people off world before you know things got too crazy. So they started building these arcs, and so they were going to send a bunch of arcs out. So one arc went off, and then another arc to to some planet they identified, you know, light years away. And in this one arc, the first one they sent off, they didn't have faster than light. So um, people were put in suspended animation. Well, then something happened and people started coming out of sus suspended animation. They had to figure out why, what damaged the systems. And um, and then they come across, uh, then there's other arcs that have um, faster than light. And um, apparently one was destroyed and now they're trying to figure out what happened to that and um so it to me it's kind of almost like the lost in space revival kind of concept yeah. but with a different twist mm -hmm. and um my I, i'm not watching it but my husband says it's really really good sounds like lost in space meets passengers yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> any uh, so. recognizable uh, actors in it no, um, it's a lot of uh, new actors, and but the what did he say? The person who um, developed the show um, uh, was the one behind the Stargate movie, not the series. But the showrunner is from the Stargate series. Oh, so yeah, so Dean Devlin is the uh, yes, Dean Devlin or yeah, that's uh, he's friends yes. with. Uh, he does he he does a podcast I listen to with uh, Trexperts I think and, and there is a podcast for the Ark so um, uh, if you wanted to hear some of the backstory about that you could listen find find that somewhere I don't know how I don't know where it is yeah. oh and by the way speaking of Picard hopefully you all are catching the Ready Room with Will Wheaton interviews with all the actors if not check it out those are really interesting you know I've been trying to watch those and my wife. And I both just, I, I, I love Will Wheaton. I love his work on Big Bang Theory. He's hilarious. His readings of Ready Player One, Ready Player Two, and Armada are awesome. But his hosting of that show is so smarmy that I, I can't stand to watch it. Oh, that's too bad because I know it just, he's, it, he's just he's just he's 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 doing exactly what. Probably we would do if we had them sitting across from us. We'd be all geeking and fun and all <laughs> Geek that. Geek it out. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. It's just, yeah. just not a thing. All right, let's go on. Let's go. Unless there's okay. somebody. Okay, all right. Let's see. This is on what we're talking about. Uh, West Coast Avengers 42. Not Avengers West Coast yet. They changed the title later. Published, of course, by Marvel with a cover date of 1989, on sale date November 1st, 1988. And uh, so this is like five months difference instead of four months. 
And it's funny because even Bern had mentioned on the site that that uh, around that time they made a change so they'd be almost on top of each other. And that didn't turn out to be the case. Has a cover price of 75 cents and a page count of 32. The editor of this book is Howard Mackey. We like Howard. The title, of course, is One of Our Androids is Missing. It's got uh, 22 pages of story. Writer, penciler, John Byrne. Inker, the late Mike McClan. Letterer is Bill Oakley. Colorist is Paul J. Becton. This has been reprinted numerous times, including in a uh, Avengers by John Byrne omnibus, uh, Avengers West Coast uh, Vision Quest trade paperback, and I believe there's also an epic collection of the whole uh, Vision Quest. I think the epic collection covers Byrne's entire run, if I remember. So uh, our uh, synopsis of this goes like this. Now, I pulled this from uncannyxmen.net, and it was written by a guy calling himself Day Trippers, real name Stephen Bishop, also known as The Grudge That Stole Christmas, or Sailor Five, whatever that means. I have no idea. can't find this guy anymore. Anyway, the synopsis goes like this. <clears throat> Scarlet Witch wakes to discover the vision is missing. She begins to search for him and comes across Hawkeye, who is up early for a training session. Hank Pym is also up early and has discovered something wrong with her computer systems. So contacts Hawkeye only to get cut off, for Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch are attacked by Ultron. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, now, do you call it Tigra or Tigra? What's the pre preference here? I've always had Tigra in my head. Tigra. Tiger. Okay. Tiger is having a dream where she attacks a deer for fun and waits to discover her pillow all chewed up. I do this all the time in Marshmallows, guys. Um, <laughs> before hearing the commotion outside, she rushes to investigate, as do the Wasp and Wonder Man, uh, who, are who eventually arrive at the scene of the battle while the Scarlet Witch's thoughts are still on her missing husband. She recalls his origin, first of the creation, life, and death of the original Human Torch, Wonder Man holds his own against Ultron before Hank realizes what is going on. He shrinks Wonder Man and orders him to go inside Ultron. Wonder Man complies and eventually returns to his original size inside Ultron, ripping him open. As Hank detected, this was a false Ultron. Which begs the question, the Scarlet Witch asks, why would anyone want to send a false Ultron against them? The West Coast Avengers begin to search the compound, while the Scarlet Witch recalls how Immortus showed the vision more of his origin, how the original Human Torch was transformed into the Vision, and how the Vision joined the Avengers. Eventually, everyone regroups with no sign of the Vision, which is when Hank announces that the problem with the computers he detected... Oh, yeah, Hank detected... Yeah, that's right. I almost said Hawkeye. Announces that the problem with the computers he detected earlier is serious, for every trace of the Vision has been erased from them. The team ascertains that someone with access to the Avengers computers must have done it, and they wonder who... When on cue, Mockingbird turns up and announces that it was her. End of story. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, as I as I understand, Byrne took over, and I guess it was Steve Englehart was the previous writer on the book. I think it was DeFalco. Was it Englehart? Yeah, I think Englehart was the one that wrote the issue beforehand. Um, let's see... And then Hawkeye and Mockingbird, they broke no, up the in Falco West Coast Avengers. Machio were the writers on number 41. Really? 
Yeah. This is Steve Inglehart. That was just one of the story notes I pulled from this guy here, and he was wrong. Okay, so was any part of that synopsis wrong? It sounded right. No, no, uh, it sounded. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I, I thought his writing on it was much better than some of the Marvel Wiki ones, so I went with that instead. Now, Hawkeye and Mockingbird broke up in West Coast Avengers uh, number 37 after, after Hawkeye learned that Mockingbird let Phantom Rider plummet to his death. That's Lincoln Slade. Though she had reason so. as the Phantom Rider previously drugged and raped her during the Lost in Space saga. Are you guys familiar with that at all? I am not. Well, I don't I mean, think I, I read. read those I wasn't reading West Coast uh, up until Burn came back on, so I think I stopped yeah. getting around issue thirty. It just seems that rape is not something you're going to catch in the mid '80s in the Avengers. I, I've heard about it. I've heard about that, and I've seen, you know, panels referencing that. But yeah. Well, it's probably one of those things where they hint at. It's not as obvious as. Um, is it Doctor? What's in the DC book? Doctor. Yeah, Doctor Light. Doctor Light. Yeah, Identity but that Christ. see that was a retcon done many many years later. Yeah, that was. And so this is like this is kind of like one of those things that happened in continuity at the time. Yeah. And yet I don't recall any kind of uproar or anything. But then again, it was West Coast Avengers. So you know, before Burnt took over, it to me was always kind of like a a secondary book. I just seeing Al's involvement in the first, you know, the first couple, uh, was it, he was in the mini series and then the regular series. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of never, ever looked at it if I didn't have to. Well, it never so, took off. I mean, they had that whole storyline when they introduced Master Pandemonium. I think that's kind of when I dropped off after that was resolved. Mm -hmm. And the art, you're right, the artwork, the artwork get me off a book much faster than bad writing. Because it's a visual yeah. medium, you know, so I yep. will I will drop off, even though the writing may be still good. Um, uh, I'm with you, Tim. Um, eventually, the, if the if the book is so badly written, I, the art can't even save it. But most of the time, a, a good storytelling artist can save a book's bad writing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the other way around is just really tough. If I if I can't make it through, I mean. Because of the art, and, and believe me, there's a lot of times I push through art that I didn't like. Um, again, you know, Carmine Infantino on Spider Woman. I loved Spider Woman when it first came out, and Infantino's art was very scratchy. And, and you should go back and look at his or his uh, Batman work from years and years before. I, I yeah, his earlier stuff. Was much better. Was I mean, I, flash you know, and elongated man work. Just yeah, it was astounding. much different. Yeah. By the time he was doing Star Wars, it was much more angular and kind of sharp and to your point, kind yeah. of sketchy. Yeah, um, and and I pushed through Star Wars as well because I just loved Star Wars so much. But but anyway, so um, yeah, that that's kind of reason why I wasn't really following uh, Avengers West Coast before was I just the artwork just didn't engage me enough to pull me in to the story so um yeah so all i missed all of that stuff i had to learn about it later yeah and so yeah i was sitting there looking of course now what most people probably do remember is that prior to west coast avengers Byrne was not working at marvel for like the previous two years mm -hmm. when he he was late in his run with the fantastic four when he got picked to do the rebirth of Superman for mm -hmm. DC Comics. 
this created um, kind of a, a little battle of the wills between him and Jim Shooter, who, while the, the powers that be at Marvel were happy that Byrne was actually working for both companies, they thought that this kind of press is actually good for Marvel, that he was working on that book that might bring some DC readers over to Marvel if Byrne was working at both companies. But Jim Shooter just didn't seem to be happy about it, and he kept editing Byrne. Every every little decision that Byrne made, you know, Jim Shooter was on top of him, so ultimately Byrne just said, no, nah, I can't do this anymore, and he left Marvel for two years. And so he finished his run on Superman, went back to Marvel and said, hey, has anybody got anything they'd like me to do? And Howard Mackey, of course, was editor on West Coast Avengers. And Mackey was looking for someone to write it and someone to draw it. And here's Byrne, the double, you know, double, triple threat, whatever you want to call it. So that's like, hey, how would you like to do this book? And, you know, Byrne's just like, okay, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> well, I'd read that he said he would do it only if he could do his vision story. So I guess he kind of had this true. idea that. Um, yeah, Burns never been a fan of the vision Scarlet Witch being a couple, just the android and, you know, human thing. So uh, I'm going to take it back just a second. So were you following the West Coast Avengers, Avengers West Coast, um, up until Burn took over, Brian? No. Okay. No, not at all. Had you read the the issue previous no. to this one? Oh, okay, because I was wondering when Byrne took over, uh, how jarring that was for someone. I mean, like what um, uh, what storyline was kind of mo in momentum up until issue forty two, and then John Byrne takes over as writer and artist, and it you know. Did he kind of like carry any of those elements through to resolve them or he just like hard stop, I'm going from here forward and you, you're reading issue 41 and then all of a sudden you're like, what, what the heck? <laughs> in a great yeah, way, I mean, but still. Yeah, and, and, and the thing is, is that of course he had to take the characters that they told him, these are the ones you're going to work with. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he had to take on uh, even more so, he had to take on John Walker on, on you know, into Avengers West Coast, and he had to take on Quasar on Avengers. And you know, sorry to Gene here, Burns just did not like uh, Quasar. He thought he was just a useless character. But he he actually saw there were things that he could do with John Walker, and so he had a little fun with him. But I mean, the the lineup on the Avengers I think is is still the same as it was with uh with Hank Pym and Hawkeye I mean Hawkeye of course was the mainstay as he was one it was the leader and wanted to be the leader Scarlet Witch and, and Tigra I don't know I did I didn't know Vision was a member of, of the West Coast team though so let me take a look well, here Well cuz Iron Man quick. was on at the beginning and he kind of set him up on the West Coast and then he dropped out of the book um and I guess went back to the east um to this to this day <laughs> I still use the fact that I read West Coast Avengers as knowing they're in California when in my brain I need to say, okay, what's the difference between West Coast and East Coast? West Coast Avengers, that's California. So that's how I determine that. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, as far as the writing goes, Steve Englehart was a longtime writer on West Coast Avengers. It looks like his last issue um, was 39. And then Mark Grunewald did an issue, Tom DeFalco did an issue, and then John Byrne came in. 
Um, so they were probably the, already kind of bouncing around guest writers. So there probably wasn't anything really seriously going on that would maybe be that jarring. And it looked like some fill-in issues because it had another story with in in uh, forty one with Mockingbird and the Phantom Rider. That's the one. That uh, was, I guess uh, she was. Yeah, the different writer on. I think that was a fill-in. Right, and it was plotted by Tom DeFalco, but it was written by Ralph Macchio. And uh, Tom Morgan, your artist, and I, you know, I'm not a fan of Morgan's work myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I you know, so there was. It looked like they were just after Englehart left. They were just kind of doing some filler stories, uh, probably some stuff they had in the filing cabinet to uh, fill. Hey, but if anybody out there's got you know a better idea on what happened there, feel free to you know come in and tell yeah, us. Yeah, definitely. You know, but again, once Burns started, it was kind of like this could have been your first comic book. You mm-hmm. pick it up and you go right from there. You don't have to know anything that goes on before because they tell you everything that's going on on the run. I love it. I, I mean, you take a look at at, at the, the first page and it's Wanda waking up. And, uh, oh, wicked Wanda. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but, you know, that's um, just, well, let's look at the cover first. Now, if you guys have copies of the comic books that came out the month before pretty much any Marvel book that, that came out the month before or the month before that there was a promo and I've been trying to find it, but I can't find it for whatever reason. I'd have to dig it up out of my books, but it was a promo that had five different covers to the whole vision quest series that led up of course, to the return of the human torch. And there's one cover in that that was not actually uh, utilized. And, of course, some of them were really uh, changed there. But uh, it's uh, it was a, a really, really cool promo. And if you weren't aware at this point that Burn was coming to the book, that was what was going to tell you. Do you, got, do you guys recall that? That's, I don't remember, but that must be how I discovered he was coming on the book. Because it yeah. seemed like I anticipated picking this up. Well, Peter David was how I found out because, um, you know, it's like Byrne had been at DC doing Superman. And I don't remember quite the events about when that last book came out. And I was like shocked to find that he was out. And then Peter David told us about this, told me about that. And uh, there it was. But, uh, yeah, there it was. Well, at the same time, anyway, so the came- Sorry, Brian. At the same time he came back on this, I was looking at his chronology earlier, and he had he had already done a couple issues of um, uh, uh, Starbrand. You know, he came back on Starbrand and kind of finished yeah. up that book. And he had started. I think he had started that before he took over this. So he was kind of getting his feet dipped back into the Marvel pool after leaving DC. Uh, that's right that's right because yeah superman i mean he started star brand with was that issue 11 right mm-hmm. and that was around the time that what superman 13 came out so he had another whole year yeah he was kind of doing both for a while that's right that's right it just doesn't writing. feel like marvel because it was star brand you know well yeah but he took over when he took over writing and drawing west coast he took over as just writer on Avengers, didn't he? 
because he was doing those yeah. consecutively. Yep. And he was keeping a continuity between the two teams. And for the most part, he did it right, except for one book that had Tiger in it that shouldn't have had Tiger in it. And he did a little strip at the end where he apologized for making <laughs> the mistake. That's back when he cared about continuity. Now it's all out the window. Yeah. Yeah. So let's look at the cover. Um, and of course, this even got a lot of trade dress on it because it says it begins here, Vision Quest in the top right hand corner, even covering the S and T of West Coast there. <laughs> and then of course down at the bottom, one of our androids is missing, which is the title. But you see Wonder Man, Hawkeye, Tigra, and Scarlet Witch. And um, somehow, you know, the 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 scan the screen's got a vision of the image, but no uh, no detail. And Scarlet Witch is going, where's my husband? Where's the vision? Wonder Man is saying, he's, he's gone, Wanda. Vanished as if he never existed. <laughs> look, look at the length of Hawkeye's swashbuckling boots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those, wow. I'd never noticed that. That's... <laughs> yeah. Interesting. That's a, that's a trip hazard. And of well, course, this book was the the cover was all burn, right? Yeah, he he penciled in, inked it. Well, back but when the covers you, had something to do with the inside story. Yeah. Now, guys, I'll tell you this for nothing. If you get a chance to read a digital copy of this, please do so. Um, the original copy, of course, uh, the the floppy. I thought, you know, looking back on it now, kind of makes the inks almost look like Joe Sinnott uh, giving a little bit more to burn style. But uh, looking at a digital copy, Mike McClan's inks just look really, really nice and well-nuanced. I'd say uh, very close to uh, Terry Austin kind of inks it without, is, yeah, the, for... uh, without the for... cartoony elements that Austin tends to put in. It's not as... As I would say, crisp as Austin when he's doing Burn, but mm -hmm. he does a good job of letting Burn's art come through instead of masking it with his own style. Um, yeah. To the point where I, I think in my head, my head canon was Burn had inked this himself. He drew and inked it. it I, I did not remember that it was a different. And for someone who I looked up his work too, he didn't do a lot of inking. He uh, he did after this. He he did a lot of West Coast before Burn came on. And then I think he jumped to Amazing Spider-Man and did some of that. But I don't think he had a long career as an anchor. Uh, All-Star Squadron in the early 80s. So that would be under what, Rich Buckler? Was that... Uh, I've got those issues, too. But, um, yeah. No, Jerry, under Jerry Ordway. So, again, not bad. Infinity Inc. 1, he went to D.C. I mean, he was at D.C., so he did the All-Star Squadron. But he did a lot of, uh, he did some Justice League. But I think that's, is that Detroit era? Yes, it's Detroit era. <laughs> Which is out of Fury of Firestorm, Blue Devil 30, love me some Blue Devil. So maybe he did some more, um, maybe he did more DC. I was just looking at his Marvel work. Maybe he did more DC than he did Marvel. 
Uh, I mean, he his the first half of his career was primarily DC, and he did some Charlton, and he even did some John Sable. Um, and let me see, is that? Well, he, uh, yeah, okay, he inked Manly. It wasn't Grell even doing the artwork at that point, Mike Manley. Okay. And then after Avengers West Coast, he did Wonder Woman a little bit. He did Amazing Spider-Man in the 330s. So is that uh, Eric Larson? Yeah, that's Eric Larson Yeah, during that run. And uh, Deadly Foes of Spider-Man, which is a horrible series, if I remember it properly. Yeah, that was a horrible series. Oh, and our, our pencils by Al Milgram. Uh, <laughs> Justice Society, Starcore, and Vision, a Vision series and a Nova Nova work, and that he he stopped in '95. I'm assuming that he went uh, strictly commercial art after that, because that's where his uh, inker or artist uh, inker leaves. list yeah. ends. Basically giving him total pages, 2,553 out of 110 story credits. That's not bad. Yeah. The, art, the artwork's beautiful. I mean, it's, it's, it's... Oh, just look at that first page of, of, of Wanda waking up in bed. I mean, she looks like almost like Kira Knightley. And I know Byrne had that very specific, and I, I could not find it. To save my life, I was sitting there looking last night. I could not find it to save my life who it was that he was using as his model for the Scarlet Witch. If I remember somewhere, somehow, it was a Playboy Playmate from the 80s that um, that he used as, as her model. Possibly uh, Benton? What's what's her first name? Not, not Barbie Benton, no. Barbie Benton. I'd remember that, yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Going into the, I mean, the first page, of course, is just her waking up in bed and, you know, somehow having perfect hair and no sleep in her eyes. Maybe a little bit of sleep in her eyes. I can't see. Um, but our second page is basically her getting up and getting dressed and we get to miss all the good parts. Um, checking in on the, the two uh, babies. And... Um, Moving through the house, what I like is on the next page where she comes out and we get our first real John Byrne image, Hawkeye on the whirly majig, basically getting a workout. Yeah, and that's this quite is a like contraption there. That's some serious <laughs> pure burn tech. burn tech. You know, yeah. I mean, this isn't Kirby. This isn't anybody else. This is burn tech. I can feel the motion of it like it's a roller coaster. You know, when I sit there and I look at Hawkeye on it, I can feel how that thing moves about and takes him into different, you know, different angles and such. It's just really, really well thought out, really cool. And Well, it, it makes you kind of seasick to think mm -hmm. that, you know, I would not be able to do that. He's hanging upside down much of the time. I wouldn't be able to do it today. Back in that day, yeah, I would. Now, what do you think about the, the colorist choices here on this page? Because... On the, on the copy that I'm looking at, yeah, the sky, the background sky is purple, matching Hawkeye's outfit. Yeah, yeah, it's a dark purple and kind of a the hills are orange. And it's supposed to be the morning, so I just like you figured it'd be almost the other way around, but I guess mm -hmm. that would then 
drown out Hawkeye. And I think in the omnibus, this is colored differently. I don't remember. I don't have it on me, but I think it's not as dark. You know, it was in a, a in one of the groups, and it might have was it was it in was it in our group or the other burn group? Um, someone was, uh, yeah, must have been in um, uh, Steve's group. Uh, someone posted a burn couple victims. of, yeah, burn victims. Sorry, the name just escaped me for some reason. Somebody posted uh, an image from Alpha Flight, and it was of uh, Snowbird flying along as an owl and then turning into Snowbird and landing on the ground. And the background choices for the sky in the original, and then which were had nothing to do with what the sky colors are. And then they recolored the sky to be blue to match what a blue sky would be. And the, the question was, uh, basically, do you think it works better with these weird sky colors or with the sky colored the way that it should be? And it was a really interesting con uh, um, contrast because when you looked at when the sky was colored the way it should be, it totally you almost erased Snowbird. You I mean, you couldn't even it, it didn't em emphasize her. Whereas with the uh, the contrasting sky colors, even though they're not real sky colors, they made the character stand out. So I think a lot of times those color choices were made on purpose to just kind of highlight and and the character or what you wanted to do in there. Whereas having it be a real sky color would distract or make it bland. Right. Yeah, I think I yeah. you're absolutely right, John. I think that there were some some deliberate choices you're making just to, to get the figures to stand out. And, yeah, and, and, and that I, shows I, the importance of a colorist that I never really realized. I thought, oh, they just colored the, the stuff when I was a kid. You know, I, I didn't know all of the nuances of pencilers and inkers and colorists and uh, all of that. So that just really shows the when when a colorist takes the time to do that, the the skill that they have to actually add to and emphasize the art and the storytelling. Yeah, and I'll say this about looking at it in digital versus a, a scan copy. The scan copy makes the Whirly Jig device look a lot more uh, mechanically sound, whereas the digital, you know, reproduction, the the gunmetal appearance of it is kind of wiped away, and it's all one color. It's not uh, the 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 black and the dark and the almost blue highlight on it. Um, the other thing to notice is that Hawkeye's swashbuckling things on his boots are just as long as here on as they were on the yep. front cover. So, yeah. Whew. Anyway, so he's sitting there. What? I was saying, Burn, which is Burn usually does, takes takes the time to for the detail of page four at the bottom left where he's upside down. His tunic is hanging down in front of him, as it would. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And now, what do you think about? Uh, I don't know if I want to go here. Uh, <laughs> Burns' changing of of well, not changing, but his redefinition of how Scarlet Witch's powers work. I thought they'd already established at this point that it was probability fields that she's manipulating. <laughs> well. When Burns started working on this, he got into a long conversation with Mark Grunewald because 
Mark Grunewald is the one that actually created the def the, the the modern definition of Howard Powers work. Instead of simply saying hexing, he said or talk started talking about the probabilities. Yeah. And Burns says, but what you're doing then is you're actually having her character's powers reach back in time and change everything. And she, in a way, know, she like, re she's rewriting reality by changing yeah. probabilities. Yeah, rewriting the history that led up to that moment for that whatever that was. However, in such a way that it can be so minute as to only affect that. So, you know, like somehow, you know, she changed the, the probabilities the Hawkeye's arrow would lose all momentum right then and there. But there it is. Well, I, and I, is this true or not that she can't choose the effect? She's reaching out. She knows she doesn't want to get hit by the arrow. She's reaching out and her powers are going to randomly decide how to solve the problem in the early can. days that was the case but i think as you got into later times she was able to get much more finesse you know yeah. with that um one of the things i liked about elizabeth olsen's uh performance was the things that she was doing with her hands and fingers as she was casting her hexes and doing various things you can tell there was a manipulation in there that there was you know true um uh, how else to put it? She she nuance. She was taking in how she was doing the hands. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, the films never. It seemed like the films all they ever did was they made her powers to be more telekinetic than anything else. Yeah, she could just move stuff. It was that then later it's you know is she and I think they ever they ever bring it appears that she has her mutant power which is her hex power or whatever it is. But then mm -hmm. she threw, I think it was Harkness, wasn't it, that was actually teaching her yeah. actual magic. So she was kind yes. of combining the two, actual magic and her own mutant powers. Uh, which is how it, she made the babies. Right, which I think... Spoiler! <laughs> Dang, Brian. Well, the can babies you, are already there. They've already talked you, about that. And Vision's cannot not take which, you anywhere, seriously. man. <laughs> well, that's how she dealt but with... I think uh, we need to... to, to clarify one thing the whole thing that brought this up is that in this particular story as hawkeye's on his little whirly gig jig device he's sitting there shooting arrows at targets the scarlet witch is walking up she steps on something like a twig that snaps and hawkeye immediately thinks that it's a, a an, an attack and so therefore he shoots an arrow right at her and she uses her hex power to make it drop to the ground instantly loses momentum <laughs> I like how um, Hawkeye's ears are so good that while he's spinning around at 5G's, shooting mm -hmm. arrows at stuff, he can hear a twig snap. <laughs> and isn't he about 70% deaf? Doesn't he wear hearing aids? Um, I don't know if that had yeah, happened yeah. at this point. Yeah, the Hawkeye it? miniseries that just came out a couple years before. Oh, okay. Uh, he'd, got, he'd gotten in a battle with a villain known as the Silencer who was deaf. But something happened that caused him to go deaf and... He even uh, wound up getting married. That's why he wound up getting married to Mockingbird. Mm. Um, but yeah, he was he was deaf, and so yeah, he's definitely using, I guess, some Stark-related ear <laughs> hearing aid. He was definitely using it. He he was most he lost most of his hearing. Yeah, I think that's that's what Hotmoose says. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I see. I, I I hadn't read the Hawkeye series at that point, so. Um, 
I I thought the deafness came later. I didn't realize it was actually this early in in uh, yeah. his history. Okay, great. So well, yeah, well, if he's using like cybernetic implants or whatever to enhance his hearing, then that makes a little more sense. No. But again, that's kind of like in X Men. What was it one twenty when the X Men were first um, coming into Canada and there's all these jets and everything, and they're having a conversation with people on the ground? It's like okay. <laughs> yeah, they're not. That's just fun. Anyway, well, but that's I mean, our suspicion. Here's the other thing that, that, I mean, if Hawkeye's using some, like, start technology or, or whatever, he definitely has got something that's helping his hearing yeah. here. Why isn't this made available for people all over? It's kind of like the death of Captain Marvel. Yeah, in that particular story, they came up with three different cures for cancer that just wouldn't work for Marvel. But why couldn't they give that to the people of the Earth, you know? Yeah. Well, you don't know that they're not. I read that on Facebook yesterday. Someone pointed that out. <laughs> well, I, I would just say uh, uh, I feel sorry for any bird or squirrel that happens to come into the the grounds because Hawkeye would <laughs> yeah, just exactly. Yep. Taking yeah. them out. Well, well, then they just become dinner. I mean, I guess. Yeah. One of Hank yeah. Pym's uh, uh, skills there must be to cook dinner for everybody. So. Well, he'll just enlarge that squirrel so it's the size of a cow, and he'll eat that. That's right. That's yeah. right. Um, now, but I, you know, back to Scarlet Witch's powers. I, you know, here we are, forty years later. So things kind of twist in our memories. But I always kind of thought that her powers were always established. Well, not always, but I mean, within the late seventies to early eighties, had been established that they were probability changing. You know, um, so I kind of thought that was always there. And then but and it was explained that earlier. She just thought that that meant it was like witch like powers, which is why she went over with Agatha and or Agatha saw the potential of a protege. But uh, yeah, so I, I didn't really get that this was changing. I thought it was just further clarifying that what we already knew. But I could be well, misremembering after like, again, after 50 years of reading the character yeah i because was the scarlet witch's uh tutelage under agatha harkness before or after the incident at wonder gore mountain uh, in Avenger, in the, uh the avengers 180s um i think before she started back and forth with agatha because i i seem to think that that would have happened probably in the fantastic four era like around 76 early 77 maybe 78 is when she was but she was never really like off the board and always there i hmm. think she was always kind of back and forth um uh, so it was probably concurrent with all of that okay so let's uh let's kind of move on here now, the, the next page has the vision, I mean, I'm sorry, excuse me, Wanda and uh, Hawkeye uh, after he comes down off of his uh, device there trying to figure out what's going on, and they wind up talking to Hank over a vid phone. Hank looking suspiciously like Johnny Storm with Joe Sinnott inking in the face. That's just me, though the face is a little bit thicker than Johnny's, the way Byrne would draw it. Yeah, it's like an aged up Johnny, isn't it? Yeah. Now, I don't know if this is the outfit that Hank was wearing previously, but I like the the red jumpsuit with the black. I, I think, though, if he did blue with black, 
it probably would have um, served him a little bit better just so he wouldn't, you know, look so much like Wonder Man in his old safari jacket. <laughs> well, it looks like I was that, just going to make a comment about that. <laughs> uh, it looks like that generic uh, red um, union suit they would give everybody in Star Trek when they didn't have any clothing to wear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the, and the Hank's premise behind lab looks like what? I was say the premise of this was because when they reintroduced him as a he was like a support member. <clears throat> he did all the tech work and all that, but. His jumpsuit had pockets. It's not as obvious here, but he used to have pockets all over it. And he would hide stuff in there that he could pull out. And because he had been exposed to pen particles so much, he could just enlarge or shrink anything he touched. So he would pull something out of his pocket and, oh, this is what I need. And he would enlarge it and then it would solve the problem. So he was kind of a like a human uh, Swiss Army knife. Yeah, and it works for. In fact, we we see a good example of it in this issue. Yeah, because um, you know it's like well, number one, I, I got to say his lab that that he has there that looks like what I think my media room is going to look like when we get <laughs> moved into the new house. So you know, just, <laughs> we'll see. Nice. We'll see. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> anyway, but the next page we come out and um, we actually see. Um, uh, Scarlet Witch and Hawkeye being attacked by Ultron. And um, let's see here. I mean, Ultron, this and, is the first appearance of him on what? what is that, page eight? You know it's not the real Ultron because there's not a designator behind his name. Right, because be, that would be Ultron six or seven. Or eight or ten or something like that, yeah. <laughs> now... Is okay, so he actually is decimating one of Hawkeye's arrows in one of the blasts. I'd never noticed that, but the digital copy makes it clear. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, can see the, you can just see the feathers, mm-hmm. yeah. You just yeah. see the feathers kind of blasting apart. So it was like the first arrow he sent, the second arrow looks like it hit Ultron and just kind of broke up on his uh, chest. And this is where the in the, the omnibus it. The, the the graphics are not as good because they have done for the his blast his uh, wrist blast they've used kind of a solid ink it's a kind of a red or uh, magenta ink to represent yeah. his blasting force and later in the book when he's doing that especially when he's hitting Wonder Man and he's kind of blasting him into the trees uh, in the scan copy it looks nice but if you look at the omnibus it looks like they redrew it and the the yeah. line work is terrible. The digital copy is like that too. It it looks almost like, um, well, like they turned it into a surprint. Well, it's almost like they didn't have the plates for this red when they were redoing yeah. it, and they had to kind of redraw it themselves. Yeah, because it's definitely not even a burn line. Mm-mm. It just looks squiggly. It's like one of us went through and said, "Yeah, draw something here because we got to get this to print." Even the direction is wrong. It looks more like it's going down than out. Yeah, yeah. it was weird. Wow, that's yeah, that's that's a good catch there, Tim. Yeah, and yeah, golly, they even yeah, they even goofed it on the Scarlet Witch. But I'm just trying to see if they wound up doing anything else to her as a result. But no, no. I mean, we had this yeah. interlude with with Tigra or Tigra, which I've forgotten it goes she was... nowhere. Well, she was kind of, this was kind of a through line through the books that she was struggling with, 
with her like animal nature or something. She was starting to revert or something. I can't remember. Um, but this is her <clears> dreaming <throat> of killing a, a blue deer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she's on an alien world or something. And I don't recall if this ever got resolved or if it just kind of disappeared at I some know. point. Not during Burns' run, and I don't think anything quite right after that. If it did, it went to a different book somewhere. It's probably one of those thought uh, plot threads that Burn had that ended up like Colossus's broken leg. Yep. <laughs> never... Yep. He had an idea for it, and it was going to be cool, but then left the book, and it's it just kind of. It's. Funny, out of out of that whole segment, there's only one image that I really, really liked. And that was when her face comes up out of the pillow as she's waking up and her face is all scrunched up. Mm -hmm. And she's got all the all the feathers and stuff from the pillow. I really, really like that. But the rest of it just kind of I'm not a big fan of um, the style that he threw in there because of just the way it looked. It, it looked like uh, somebody's bastardization of Dr. Seuss. Well, it's weird the whole that dream it's, sequence. Yeah, that it's not. It's not like you think she's she's having this dream that she would be on a just in the jungle, but she's in like some alien world and she's chasing right. this blue alien deer. Uh, and I'll say it gets a little gruesome that that scene where she's kind of ripping the flesh, and then it yeah. cuts to her ripping the pillow. It's pretty graphic. The one, yeah. the, the thing that I like about that image you pointed out, Brian, with her with the pillow, is how yeah. similar it is to the dream image, the panel right mm -hmm. next to it. Yeah, yeah. And that's just one of the cool things that I love about his style. Like when we have all, remember when we were doing the She-Hulk graphic novel, where he had those five or six panels where they were all the same between when uh, Reed announced to her that, oh, you know, you can never turn back to She-Hulk. She and then there was just those three panels right there. And then all of a sudden, boom. Um, and she's like, so what? You know, yeah. and that was a cool, this, that storytelling element. Or even more similar to this, uh, at the end of X-Men. Um, sorry, I had to sneeze. Uh, at the end of X-Men 131, uh, the final two panels of the book with the Dazzler series, uh, or the Dazzler um uh guest star um you know the 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 second to the last panel was all of them around the hellfire and everyone was uh the battle was finished and then the next panel was in front of kitty's parents house and all of the characters were in the same position as they were yeah in in the in the the final panel up there at the ballot i always thought that was just a real cool way uh to transition that storytelling element and that's how this is you know it's yeah from the dream to the reality. Uh, so it was just a really cool. Uh, or later effect. when they were prisoners of the Hellfire Club and you got to see all the different visions of how how they appeared versus mm -hmm. what Gene saw versus yeah. Yeah. what was that? Yeah, that was that was pretty it's cool. Very I mean, again, this is a good transition. Yeah, it's very cinematic. You can imagine if this was an actual film, how that would, now, that would let me ask fade you out, here. crossfade into the other one. Let me ask you here, at what point did you realize that Tiger was nude? Was it on this page or was it on the next page when you see her lacing up her bikini top? I don't think I recognize I, I realized that she was, because she's always wore such a small bikini 
and it's black yeah. and it blends in with her stripes that I didn't realize that. Yeah, you're right. She's sleeping commando. Yeah. And then the next page you see as she's running out of her bungalow, she's tying, yeah. tying, tying her, her bikini her top. top. Yeah. Which is like, what's the, I know you have to because of the comics code, but it's like, really, she'd just be running around probably naked. Uh, yeah. Now, the funny thing here, of course, is she sees the wasp flying by. And her thought balloon is she's flying from the direction of Hank's bungalow. I thought she was staying at the big house. They could have just put a meow right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Wonder Man, of course, flying in onto, onto the scene, which is just cool. But I just think Wonder Man is cool. I, I thought Wonder Man was cool since the first time I saw him in Avengers 200. That's where I got my, my introduction to Wonder Man. I think mine was from reading this this series. Yeah, but the the mullet gotta go. Mullet gotta go. Well I think yeah. at this point Tony Stark had a mullet too. In fact he had kind of a Jerry Curl kind of a mullet thing. Superman had a mullet at some point too. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean Simon Williams, he's you know trying to be an actor, he's trying to do that. So he is gonna do anything that's trendy. So I'm never surprised that he changes his costume so many times. It's like, I'm not surprised he changes his hair. He, you know, mm-hmm. he's doing anything he can. You know. Well, I mean, they've they've always done that with women. You know, that Wasp has had how many different uh, costumes, and why can't a guy change? You know, alter his uh, his outfit the same as a woman. Oh, yeah. So uh, on page fourteen. We see kind of the a similar thing with the the Reds mm-hmm. in there, and Ultron's blast to Wonder Man being affected in the the digi- digital copy versus the original version. It's not as bad or as pronounced as it was in the other one, but it kind of takes away from the imagery a little bit. The above image though looks to be pretty much untouched. The the Kirby Crackle. That's forming in different places, a kind of a, a bearish Kirby crackle around Ultron's hand. Yeah, you just get but, uh, uh, a little bit of bleed through from when they when they inked over the. I guess that's a shrubbery over the uh, or the one ink is then put over the other ink. Oh, that's a shrubbery. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I love the way Burn draws Ultron. He's he's not overly he's not <clears throat> overly techy, but he is detailed enough that he really looks nice. Mm. I love this version of Ultron. I don't like the the more recent ones, but this style of Ultron, and I especially hate the movie design. Ugh. But yeah, I love but this style of Ultron. I love the bottom image where Wonder Man is flying right into him, bottom of page 14. And you can see that Ultron is larger than him. Mm-hmm. And he's almost flying, just the way he's flying into him, the Ultron could engulf him practically. And let's see the next page. Of course, this is I, I kind of get the feeling that the top image here, where you see Hank and Hawkeye and Wonder Man um, in the middle, you know, pounding on Ultron, was used in some promo stuff. A- am I right about that? Because I just remember seeing that a lot more than the other images on the page. I don't know. I don't. But it looks like they're it looks like they're cheering on a school fight. Like, go Wonder yeah. Man, yeah. go! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and the Hank's <clears throat> character looks a little stiff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a little yeah, he's. It's Within like an action panel, figure in a pose. Some really good facial expressions there. Yeah. And then, of course, we start getting the um, the uh, flashbacks. Now, the beauty of of John Byrne doing flashbacks, if you if you, I mean, the, the first time I remember really seeing that was X Men One Thirty Eight when he did the history of the X Men with Chris Claremont. And the thing that Byrne really likes to do is he likes to go back to those original stories and he'll do an image of that. So you're seeing, you know, basically what Kirby did or what Everett or what the other ink, you know, pencilers did back in the day, but with Burns flair to it. So we get to see a lot of that. And it's just gorgeous here Ugh, looking at the original. Two what? and a half pages are fantastic. Yeah. Now, <laughs> Howard Mackey, if you're listening, and I know you listen to stuff like this, um, you need to, in your editorial things, be sure to point at what issues yeah. mm-hmm. these that events happen. That was going to be my happen. point. Exactly. Let's have some, let's have some uh, notes some here, some editor notes yeah. to say this. Is- I, I was looking around trying to see if anybody had anything like this. Now, the, the first part, so, uh, I've got gotten Marvel Comics number one. I've, I've got a hardback that's... But that Brian, that story. what are you reading from? Are you reading from scans or, or the uh, the digital versions from the Omnibus? Did they take these out? Because there was a time when the original comics would have editor notes like this, but when they put them in tr- trades like this, they would take those out for some reason. Maybe. Not, I've got a scanned copy of the original book. Okay. And they're not there either. And then I've got no. a, a Kindle version, and I've got them side by side for comparison. They're not neither so one, right? They're the not in my omnibus, yeah. and they're not in this scanned. Um, <clears throat> that's just yeah. that's just uh, those little editor boxes. I always thought were cool as a kid. Well, it gets you to. If anything, it just helps the company because it's going to get you to go look up yeah. other books, you know, and and especially if it's coming out at the time. But that top panel on page uh 16 john oh, how, yeah. how how great would a invaders john byrne series be? Oh. oh my goodness this this image is so nice and like the ones when he drew uh the the invaders groups uh when he was on captain america like in the flashback with spitfire or jacqueline yeah. or at the at, in his Namor. final Issue, yeah, and the ones with Namor. Oh man, I would have loved to have had. What him. about his Elswen with Wolverine and the Invaders? I yeah, those see, were really cool. Those were great too. But back in this this day, if he could have been part of a Invaders revival, that would have kept it going for a while. That would have been so nice. Yeah. Hmm. But alas, if he if hey if if the spark gets you, Mr. Byrne, and you want to do um an Elswin invaders, I'm on board. I'd love to yeah. see that. Well, he was talking about a JSA invaders crossover. Oh, I would love to see that too. Yeah. Done in the That's... vein of generations. Yeah. Get on that. Oh, please, not in the vein of generations, but no, in the vein of the old marvel Marvel d c collabs. Like Avengers, Justice League, or um, you know, X-Men Batman, Teen Titans, X Men, Teen Titans, Batman, Captain America, you know, those those kinds of things. Well, I assume mm-hmm. this this 
storyline with the thinker took place in FF. I just don't know which issue it is. No, um, uh, it was um, I think it was a giant size. Oh, wasn't it? The the thing with the thinker, Kali. That's right. Okay, I, I only read was, the last part of that, and that was in the Submariner. But that was the the not the story of the Human Torch, but the story of Toro and Toro's death. Yeah, the uh, that I'm thinking of. We can find out about that later. Yeah, you're right. And then it was reprinted in a, a giant size FF because I remember reading it in a giant size FF way back when. Yeah. I don't remember which one. Or Howard, maybe the Howard, you should have done this right the first time. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, you think it but would yeah, no. be on the wiki, the Marvel wiki. They usually they put trivia and they put notes, and I couldn't find anything there either. Wow. Yeah, and everything I looked at, I, I sat there looked at several sites trying to see if anybody had any kind of accreditation for all this. Um, I'd like to look at the letters pages, but unfortunately, in these scanned copies, they take all the extra pages out that are not the story and art. Um, I like that image of the two torches fighting. And then, of course, that image of the torch uh, going out of control. And then they just leave his body in the lab. That sounds like a Fantastic Four kind of thing to do. And then this last bit, Ultron, you know, coming across it. And as everyone knows, that, or as everyone was told, that was uh, where he uh, got Horton to make the vision. But a lot changes. So we go to this next page, page 18. And we see the Avengers, the, the Avengers continuing to fight Ultron, but we notice something about Ultron. Did y'all notice it the first time? Newsflash, newsflash, Submariner number 14. Ah, okay. Because I thought so, it was in Tales to Astonish, so. Um, well, I'm looking at marvelfandom.com, and it cites it as Submariner Volume 1, number 14. No. Doesn't say yeah. that it's a reprint or anything, so I'm not sure. But anyway, um, that's that. That's that little story there. So hopefully that's it. Yeah. Now, like I said, on page 18 we get back to the Avengers, and get your pen. We out. see them fighting. Your... You can see that he's dented. But how many of you noticed that at first? I didn't. I I was just like, whoa, what this is cool. But yeah. I wasn't sitting there seeing the yeah, that Ultron was getting damaged. There's damage. But there's I knew he was adamantium, so it shouldn't have been damaged. No. Right. Well so there's, there's a clue. I saw it more on page nineteen at the top where he's doing that crack, yeah. uh axe handle double fisted punch and you kinda <laughs> see that his his neck is damaged. And he's got a little bit of a Smoke it looks like smoke coming out of his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Now, my question is though, on this whole page, he's like, you know, Simon, come over here, and Simon goes over and he shrinks him. But what is Ultron doing in the time that that Simon goes over to Hank to get shrunk? It's like, wouldn't he be attacking something or somebody? Well, I I, I guess we assume that that blow that Simon delivered at the top of the page kind of staggered him to mm -hmm. get Hank you know, Long a few enough seconds for him to, to... to touch him and shrink him. Yeah. 
But then Simon flies inside of Ultron through the mouth, just lucky he didn't use his disintegrator ray right then. Though we don't know how dangerous that one would have been on Simon anyway. Mm. But uh, gets in there and he gets into one part, looks like an elevator shaft. <laughs> it does. And then he starts growing. You know, it would be interesting to go back to, um, of course, it, now we know it doesn't matter, but to go back to um, the Kree Squirrel or the Avengers and see if any of that kind of mix uh, looks like the one Neil Adams drew when Ant-Man first went down there. Oh, like this little T-370. I wonder what that that's, wonder what that means. I wonder if anybody's asked him what that means. Oh, usually, oh. Interesting. That means something when he puts something like that in there so obviously. Maybe it's he, has, he, has, he does have a purpose for those things, doesn't he? Okay, but page, I mean, that doesn't correspond to anything because no. I mean, he just started on this book. He's and already I'm, done 500 yeah. pages on X-Men and who knows how many on Fantastic Four. And and now that you mention it, look at the next panel over the lower left, GL-17 down there. Oh, wow. Is that GO-17? I think it's GL, Golf Lima 1-7, on, on its edge. Even in the digital copy, it's hard to make that out. Let me see if I can expand this. I, I'm in the bit. trade paperback, and it's pretty clear. Now that we're looking for that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's not as obvious as a T-370. No, it's not as obvious because it's, it's on there. its side. But when you, if you look at it on its side, it's, it's. Yeah. GL-17. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. All right, Brian, there's some questions for your burn form. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's see here. No, I know how much you love to get engaged that stuff. So, um. I know, but a lot of times when you start asking about things like this, he's like, I, you know, it's been so long. I don't remember. Yeah. He likes, likes to use that answer a lot lately. And you can't begrudge him that, you know. No, I can't begrudge Some him that. Something he did 30, 30 years ago. <laughs> it still shows an interest, and maybe he would remember. Especially that C-370. That's such a big... Yeah, that's yeah. pretty obvious. obvious. He probably knows. Hello, Future Tim here. A resident comic book scholar, Brian Hughes, did little research, and John Byrne himself has said there is no significance to the numbers he placed inside of Ultron. Now back to the show. I'll have to do some some Google searching to see if uh, if anything com has come about on that. Maybe maybe we should look up Green Lantern issue seventeen. Maybe that was a really <laughs> special issue for him or something. Maybe he's yeah. Maybe he took inspiration from it. The this method of defeating Ultron could be be gruesome, but you could use this to defeat just about anybody. Just shrink Wonder Man, have him go down, go down their stomach, go into the go into the throat, whatever, and just let him re enlarge. Mm hmm. Okay, um, if you do a quick Google search, uh, that is the pill imprint for amphetamines. Well, I don't think that's it. <laughs> I don't think that's it, but, you know. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not seeing anything else that's, that's really sticking out. Well, let's... Oh, there, there is a uh, formula racer, the Lola T370. But if maybe if any of our listeners have any insights on either of those, um, pop them up on uh, our website, Third Degree, or our uh, Facebook page, Third Degree Burn. Yep. 
We cool. What's the discussion there, folks? Yeah. Maybe you guys, maybe you guys have heard something or asked them already. That'd be cool. Hey, hey, Brian, since you're looking at the digital copy, bottom yeah. of page 22, when Han, uh, Hank is calling what he says predetermination, is the text a little screwed up there? Is where he says a familiar foe. We the preconditioning. Is, preconditioning is kind of is on an angle. But then below it, where yeah. he says, to be a familiar foe, we all saw what was expected to see. We is at about a 45-degree angle. Fixed. Is it's it? fixed. Okay. Yeah, appeared appeared is corrected. Yeah, we, is what appeared to be a familiar foe, we all saw what we expected to see, and it's all in the proper order. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's messed up. Yeah. Thank you. I don't know if that's what happened when it printed or what, but um, <laughs> I've not they, caught that before. That's what they. T I just now saw it. And that's the way they determined that this Ultron was a decoy, and they're. Uh, let me get in his flashback time again. And when, again, when did this? I like to know when this Vision and Immortus meeting that had to happen in the Avengers. I, I assume. Or Vision and Scarlet Witch. Could be. I read that miniseries, but I don't remember that happening. Yeah, it's kind of frustrating. I do like um, on page 25 how Vision looks more like a Neil Adams drawing than your typical burn version. Mm -hmm. The Vision laying down on the table as Ultron's working on him. It's the Zipatone they put over it that. Yep. That did it. Well, he does. He he puts uh, at the beginning of this. I think he he kind of pays tribute to. He's borrowed dialogue and imagery from the previous storytellers that came. You know that Roy Thomas yeah. and Neil Adams and all the rest that uh, Basima and all the rest of them. So that was that's what's nice. That, yeah, that, that's definitely very very Adamsy to me. This page is just really really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Probably my favorite in the whole book. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's a great, great recap. Okay, I, I just got to say, you know, page 27, you got the Scarlet Witch out there in the cliffs looking over the water, you know, trying to figure out whatever it is. And then another one of these little computer monitors just pops up out of the ground. Where are they implanted? Are they implanted everywhere, or is it something that travels through the lands and then <clears throat> pops up whenever it finds somebody it needs to talk to? It's a little <laughs> rover that just follows her around so that when she needs to talk, or maybe that's yeah, right. Because there's, she there's could no be right dirt outside. flying up off of it. Yeah, mm -hmm. she could be right outside there. Um, I think they're head Well, it doesn't seem like their headquarters is on a cliff. Um, I know Stark's, at this point, his house and workshop were... Uh, on a cliff, kind of like in the movies. Well, we know that they're close to the cliffs, off the water. I mean, it's just that this this whole compound is there on the right, coast. Right, the Quinjet comes out of the cliff. Right, right, and we know what happens to the cliff later. So, yeah. Um, but at, at this point, Hank reveals that uh, the vision has been removed from everything. <laughs> well, apparently, it was the like last panel where uh, you look at the face on Scarlet Witch as she grabs Hank's 
jacket there. <laughs> She's like, I bet. Yeah. He, I bet he just wet his pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's not even wrinkled when she lets go. That's a, that's a great thing. I want to know who Taylor is. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's like uh, molecules. <laughs> yeah. And I don't remember. And, I've read this whole story. I don't remember why. I know later on, it's revealed why someone has purged Vision from like all their databases. Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll. Yeah, a couple of years before in the Avengers, when Roger Stern, I think it was a Roger Stern story, the Vision basically took over the world. Because mm-hmm. you know, he just did his own kind of a tapeworm, so he could do everything. And so all the world governments got together and said, yeah, we don't want this guy around if he can do that again. So, yeah. Now, on bottom of page 29, there's a real good, awesome profile shot of Hawkeye's face that I like a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And the top of page 29, I think, you know, you see Hank is just like he's gritting his teeth. And it looks like he's really, really concentrating. I think he's trying so hard to look at Wanda's eyes. <laughs> but that's just me. I could be wrong. <laughs> well, he, he, he's grimacing a lot in this. I think he's... Yeah. Um, and I, and I, to your point, that profile of Hawkeye is nice because it looks like he is either... He's he's kind of talking out loud, you know, who could have betrayed us? Cause they basically established that the only person who could have come in and wiped out this information and planted this bug, was an Avenger. So he's like, yeah. who could have done it? And that's, you know, Q and Mockingbird. But I yeah. wonder if that expression on his face is him hearing her voice and realizing, Oh, that's my ex. Hmm. Yeah, that could be, that yeah. could be, now, I never realized that Hawkeye's ears were covered yet there, you know? I mean, it's not like Cap's, Cap's ears stick out of his mask. Yeah. Whereas Hawkeye's, you can see the that's shape a, there. almost looks a form, like a... That's a form-fitting mask to yeah. <laughs> cover his ears that way. That's a, and and Hank's uh, position there where he's got both hands clasped like that looks like Brody and Jaws when he's yeah. <laughs> just before uh, Hooper arrives for dinner. Okay, and then of course the next page, you got Mockingbird showing up and being all cocky and everything. And you know, I can almost see Adrian Palicki right there. You know who Adrian Palicki is? Yeah, they introduced. She's she was Mockingbird on Agents of Shield, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. I could see her doing that, but, but she's, she's also Mockingbird, was she? No, they never called. They were going to give her her own series and call it Mockingbird, but it got canceled when uh, Marvel started doing a reshifting of everything. Yeah, I thought they had introduced her. And haven't they uh, in in a film or haven't they introduced Wonder Man? They're going to. They're going to. Okay, I thought they were going to. They already had. I think he's going to be in the next. Uh, Captain America movie, okay. New World Order. Well, it's not till next year, I don't think, is it? No, not till next 2024, year. Twenty twenty-four, yeah. And Secret Invasion comes before that. Yeah, though that that could be where he's at. Also, I don't, I don't know, I don't or, remember. Or uh, 
Uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed because, you know, they'd done all this little background work of Nathan Fillion being Simon Williams. And you can see bits and pieces of it all through the Marvel universe. It, in the, in the, cap, the was it uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, in the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Volume 2, and other places, there was little snippets of Simon Williams stuff in the background where you saw movie posters and other things. And it was Nathan Fillion. And now that they've they've actually cast a, a black man. Yeah, I they, in the they role. actually cast an actor. I don't know who the actor is. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to see how they do. They'll treat that. You know, is he any tied to the vision? You know, is he going to be, or is he just going to be, strong man? Yeah, I, I you don't know. I mean, I, I doubt he's going to be the industrialist that Simon Williams was to begin with. <laughs> Yeah, and then you know, coming, mm. yeah, yep. Ooh. This was and a yeah, good story. This definitely, um, uh, it, it piqued my interest. Right, if I remember when I was reading this when it came out, as to what you know, what this mystery is, what's going on, and I kind of flipped through my omnibus this morning when I was just scanning ahead, and I forgot that, um, you know, there's, there's, there's revealed later about the vision that they there's a scene of him that they almost took whole cloth and put in one division uh, and then don't tell you how much they paid burn for that but they uh, they should at least acknowledge the fact they they kind of uh, copy that image over I mean there's so much of, of burn that went into the WandaVision series mm -hmm. the whole thing with the with the with the the sons and all that um, was kind of, you know, lifted from some of what Byrne did. And then, of course, the white vision. The white, um, yeah, that's what I'm talking about then, dismantled vision. Yeah. Now, there's something else, and I want to show you guys um, here in Skype. Uh, if anybody's got, you know, access to the Kindle version of the trade paperback, I'm going to share my screen. It is, there's a real cool effect in this. Uh, when you get to the end of the first issue, and you guys tell me, can you see my screen? I uh, cannot. Now I can. Oh, man. It's, okay, so this, this jumped. It jumped big time. How did it get all the way there? I was like... Jonas West Coast or, uh, or Great, Lake, Great Lakes Avengers? Uh, I don't know how it jumped all the way there, but let me let me get to you. So you guys see me flipping through this issue? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here is like the front cover of the trade paperback, right? Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And then here is the next page, which is, of course, the front cover of the the next issue. Do you see yeah. the difference in that? So how they changed it for the trade paperback? Mm -hmm. I just find that really, really cool. So if, if you have that, the, the, the cover of the trade paperback is actually, a, it's not a reproduction, but a redo of the cover of uh, issue 43. It's had some things removed and other things put in or changed. Like Hawkeye's arrow looks modified and the coloring is all completely different. The shadowing is all completely different. Yeah, it's, it's kind of an airbrush look that they go... 
Yeah, yeah sure. It's just color. because of the digital inking that they did. They were yeah, and, mo and modern coloring. Yeah, they were able to do all that shading and and finessing with stuff that you can do um, back in the time. Yep. Which in a way I, I like the brighter the version. Don't like. Yeah, I like mm. that flat style. One, yep, it seems like yep. she's got much more reform fitting. Yeah, it's about the same. Yeah, it. Yeah, you know, I kind of like this because the characters are brighter and they they show they show better. But yeah, it's good either way. Yep. And I like the original cover a little bit better. The old way, the new way. Yeah. Anyway, this is the way. <laughs> this, this is the way. way. Okay. All right. So, what'd you guys think of that as a, as an introductory issue to the West Coast Avengers? Well, it definitely starts off with a bang he doesn't pull the punches he's just like i'm just i'm not even going to ease my way into this mm. i'm just going to start it off <laughs> that's really cool well it's like what he did with the hulk when he took over the hulk he just jumped in with both feet and said okay this is the changes i'm making yeah uh, just didn't stick with it but uh yeah well now to cover these. what we found out later is that you know, Byrne and Mackey had their agreement about what was going to happen. And, you know, you know, Mackey said, yeah, you can do your vision story and everything. And then later, as, as things are going on, it's Tom DeFalco, editor in chief, that starts to come in and say, no, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. Now, it towards the end of Byrne's run. When he does the whole dark Scarlet Witch thing, he he put her in a different costume and changed her hair, yes. and that set off to Falco says you can't do that, not realizing that he's only doing it for like one or two issues. It's not a permanent change, and this is the thing. Also, the fans don't understand this is a temporary thing. Once the story resolves itself, she's going to go back to the way that we were familiar with, and it's like people just seem to forget this. You know, whenever whenever someone comes in and makes a change to a character, it's like, you know, they took away Superman's trunks and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, they've ruined Superman. He'll eventually get him back. And now he has him back. It's yeah. Well, I can it's see just, if you were if if. If she was showing up concurrently in this book and. The Avengers, but they kind of split the team so that she should have showed up only in this book as opposed to the the core prime book. So changing her look in one in the West Coast, I don't see how that would affect unless she was going to be showing up in some other series, to your point, that you know, it gets it gets reverted back. You know, what mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I found out a bunch of different things, but a lot of it goes into later stuff, plot points and story points, like how to restore vision and, and, and whatnot. And we don't need to to worry about that. Now, one thing that was actually interesting, you know, in this is that when uh, Byrne was originally doing the story, you know, where, where Hawkeye is on the Whirly gig. Um, he didn't actually do it like that initially. Initially, it was just Hawkeye standing there shooting at, you know, the, the static targets and stuff or moving targets and stuff. And um, he says, so like, uh, mentions it to Roger Stern and Roger Stern's like, like, you've been to DC too long. 
<laughs> and he goes, you're right. I need to do this the Marvel way. And he goes, no, you should have been doing the Marvel way when you're at DC. I like his friendship with Roger Stern. Hmm. I think it's one of the Rogers, one of the guys that can actually tell him how it is, you know? And then you need that. You need somebody that kind of can tell you when you're wrong or tell you or at least not be so starstruck or afraid to talk to you that can't tell you when you think they think you've made a mistake or need to change directions. Yep. And he's been getting that a little bit. Now, We've talked a bit about the footnotes or the lack of footnotes mm-hmm. uh, in this issue, and it's kind of annoying. But on page twenty-five, in a regular word uh, window, not a not what you call an editor's note, Howard Mackey actually did put in an editor's note. It says, "Due to space considerations, Wanda's memories are necessarily compressed here, but the salient events are presented uh, as she knows them." Harried Howard. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a little odd. But, but I mean, that's like the, the way to dodge actually putting in the, the what issues all this happened. <laughs> maybe so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, maybe we can, as uh, when we put this out, if we can do our, a little bit of homework. If we can find the connected issues, we'll just make a note of it so that oh, it's in the body. And I just I just goofed. It wasn't Roger Stern that told him that. It was Walt Simonson. And he didn't just say, you know, you, you, you should have done it. He says, you dope. That's how you should have been thinking of DC. So my mistake there. Which was the, 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 the per- funny thing, because that was the... Sorry, John. I was going to say Perez and Wolfman did it. Yep. And that oh, was yeah. a huge success. Yes, it was. Well, that, so years sorry. and years before, it's like six years before. Whew. Tim. So now I'm so oh. curious about T370. Wait, wait, L17. Well, no, I'm just saying that was the big, the big point of Byrne going to DC was that he was going to marvelize Superman. Yep. You know, he was going to take that method and 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 I think in a way he did. He took his style and took it over there, but um, he didn't. He didn't take it far enough. I guess not, but and sure he got he, had... he got beat. I think he got beat down by so much. You can't do this. You can't do that. Yeah. You have to do this. You have to do that. That it just stifled stymied most creative impulses. Well, I think that's why so many creators want to have their own creator own works, so that they one they have more control and they don't have they don't have fifty years of baggage behind them that they can right. cannot do certain things. Cool. All right, oh. so I'm going to ask Vern about those two those two notations there, and and in that because now you guys got me curious, and I can't mm-hmm. let something said, like yeah. that go. Anyway, any, any final I, 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 thoughts? I loved the book. I loved it. I was so happy when Vern got there. I mean, the thing is, I'd always thought that it would it was like perfect sense that Byrne himself should be on the Avengers. And I'm not talking West Coast, but just Avengers. Mm-hmm. And I was upset that, you know, while he only, he did what total 13 issues of Avengers in the seventies and eighties, he didn't really get a chance to, to run that book as artist and writer. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, why, why not? It just makes so much sense. And of course he did write it 
for a number of issues, but you know, but before all this stuff with uh, Tom DeFalco happened. But uh, it seemed like Tom DeFalco had an axe to grind where Byrne was concerned. Didn't he wasn't he writing when we covered our acts of vengeance books mm-hmm. back to that tie-in we did? Yeah, wasn't he writing the uh, Avengers at that point? Yeah, yeah, he was he was That's writing so. both Avengers and Avengers West Coast, and um, I mean, so he had all that. It just he was only going to draw one, I think. And let me just, um, you know, that that's the one thing I missed. And that was what other books he had done, was doing at the time. It's been so long since we've done one of these, I didn't even pull up the chronology. And so I've got to find that real quick. Quick vamp, guys. Well, actually, I had it pulled up, and I think I closed it. Here, I've got it. Let me see if I can save your bacon here, Brian. Yeah. What are you looking for, Brian? The chronology. I'm doing chronology. Mm. Um, I looked it up on Mike's, and he only had did Star Blazer that week or that Star month. Star Starbrand, yeah. Oh, I wish he'd done Star Blazers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that you're you're absolutely right, John. He did uh, a classic X Men, which is a reprint. He did Starbrand number eighteen, and then West Coast number forty two, and that was it. Hmm. What okay. did he do with the rest of his his month? <laughs> he's probably well may he had, um, he uh, was he was doing his prep for she hulk oh so okay. he because uh at right after that they had the marvel comics presents which had the eight page story and then he started she hulk so i'm sure he had to go back and learn all of her history so that was what 13 issues no 26 issues i'm sorry wow well he had the the mini deaths of the batman part one comes up two months later so he's probably working on that Really? Or at least work, at least have oh. it in the back of his mind. Batman 433? Yep. Is that right? And She-Hulk came out the same month, and West Coast 44, so he was pretty busy in May. And then he started writing, yeah, he was writing Avengers with, uh, looks like issue 305 was the first one he was writing. And let me see. 305, yeah, yes. Avengers Assemble. So he well, yeah, in November he did two issues of Avengers. He did two issues of She-Hulk. He did Wolverine. He did Marvel Age. He did Avengers West Coast, two issues. He's pretty busy. Looks now. like he stayed on him up until uh, writing Avengers until 317. And then Fabian Nutenza took over. But he just plotted 317. So it was basically letting them get in there. Yeah. Yeah. And this is just uh, about a year away from him jumping on Namor and doing that series. Yep. Yep. But yeah, I think, yeah, this probably coincided with uh, his Avengers West Coast uh, dropping out of that just because of what happened. 
But anyway, so that's all good and fun. Um, I look forward to our next coverage of this. And uh, when we get around to the regular Avengers proper. So I guess it, it's almost important to look at the Avengers book along with the West Coast to see if there's a lot of cross-pollination between the two titles on Burns writing them both. I know we had our little bit back and forth with Acts of Vengeance when we had the coverage there with Gene and uh, that, that whole summer of uh, fun uh, crossover. With Derek um, Crabb? Yep. Um, Derek Crabb. I love that promo that they put out with the Thanos bit about crossovers. Well, the, So what'd y'all think? What? I would say the Omnibus puts these, has the first couple of issues of West Coast, then it jumps into Avengers. So I don't know if they're in that book chronologically. And then it jumps back mm -hmm. into West Coast. So you kind of read them. You kind of have a reading order for you. Yeah. I just, it's going to be about six weeks before I can even get my stuff unpacked. Because <laughs> we don't do get into the new house until May, about around May 20th, weekend of May 20th. And this is a, it's kind of a cool uh, thing is that my, uh, my father-in-law, he lives with us. And uh, he works up at one of the local high schools. And they love him there. They just think that he is the greatest guy. I don't know where they get their ideas. But they love him there. <laughs> and uh, they, the, the entire football team has offered to come and help us move. Wow. So they're going to okay. bring one of the school buses, too. And so I'll, I'm going to rent a big truck. We'll load you know, everything we can into one. And then whatever else can't go can go into the school bus. And we're just gonna cook up some brisket and order some pizzas, and that, that's the way to do it. Yeah, it was just yep. It was just Fanula and I doing it, and then we had movies for one day to move my comic boxes upstairs because I didn't want to. Oh do that. yeah, yeah. And see, I'm still trying to figure out where I'm going to put my comic boxes because um, the logical place would be under the stairs in the little Harry Potter room because it's reinforced for storms, mm. but. <laughs> But uh, but I don't know. I, I you know probably would take them upstairs to to uh, my office and put them in the closet there. It's the closet's the exact same size as the one I currently have them in here. You gotta, and it's not like I'm going to use that closet for clothes or anything. So it makes sense to put them there. Got to convert them. One thing about this house, we're in a closet. From, other than the master bedroom closet, the closet's not very big. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to convert to short boxes because how many long boxes do you have? Uh, about twenty. Ooh, that's gonna be at least 40, yeah, at least forty short boxes. Yeah, but uh, movie trading company sells those short boxes for like three bucks a pop. That's super as real. opposed to what the super comic cheap. book shops now. The comic book shops are selling them for fifteen because they're all decorated covers. Yeah, now. yeah. Okay, I don't uh, know I've got that. I've got the Phoenix one with John Byrne. You know, the Child of Light and Darkness image which is about one of my favorite comic book images ever. And do you know what I'm talking about? The one where Phoenix is in space and she's got the planet in the palm of her hand. Oh, yeah. All yeah, the Kirby yeah. crackle and everything around it. Yeah. They've got that one as, as one of those. I bought one of those just on site because it was so cool. I tried converting to drawer boxes, but that gets it pricey. They're nice. Yeah. But if you've got them the way I've got them, where they're not stacked on top of each other, it doesn't matter if you can access them each box yeah 
So what do you all think about this? Not just Avengers, uh, uh, West Coast Avengers, but about comic book storage. What are your thoughts? Let us know at Third Degree Burn on on our Facebook page or write us at gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a message, a rating, a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as it's called now. But uh, let us know. We really, really like to hear you. There is also a Discord page now for us out there that's been set up, I believe, by Gene Hendricks. Uh, I have not been able to make too many forays out there, but I'm going to take a look because I I am set up on Discord. I just haven't... uh, had a chance to uh, see what's out there just yet. There's a lot going on out there. Yep. I know that that Chris Honeywell and Hope Molinex are really active, or at least Chris Honeywell is supposed to be active on there uh, <laughs> for their J Guys and Jedi podcast. Where right now they're covering uh, Andor, and um, they just finished uh, the Obi Wan series. It gave me a lot more respect for the Obi Wan series than I initially had. I went back and watched it as a result of them. Oh. And I enjoyed it so much more the second time than I did the first time. Awesome. Yep. Apparently, I've got 14 updates to do to get Discord running. So I'm going to let that run. But let us know what you guys think. We want to know what you think, what you feel, what you want us to cover, what you absolutely don't want us to cover. So we'll do that next. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, well, it'd take me six months for us to get around to doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, uh, you know, wish Tim and Fanula all the luck in their new home. But it's about time for them to have a party and invite us all over. Congratulations. Uh, yeah. The flights to Vegas are cheap. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. But I'm spending all my money buying a house. So We discovered yesterday that flights from Vegas to Hawaii are cheap as well. You can get a road what? trip for about $400. That wow. is super. Yeah. Yeah. And no peanuts anymore. Oh. Apparently they don't do peanuts on planes anymore because it's of people with peanut allergy. allergies. The allergy. Yeah. Just give me the pretzels or give me those uh, little biscotti cookies. Those are yeah. fantastic. I like the little biscotti cookies too. Yeah, those are great. Well, last flight I was on, they gave us sun chips. Garden salsa <laughs> flavor. It was nice. good. Or just load up your, your bag on your own, whatever you like to eat. Yeah. Sun chips, potato chips, apple. Wow. Okay, so I am I am in Discord right now. And let me see if I can find us on here because the list is huge. Maybe, maybe when you find it, or maybe Jane could post the link in Third Degree Burn for folks who want to find it. Yes, that would be great. Oh wait, there we are, top of the list. Anyway, anyway, a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) So I I think we've covered everything here that we got. Do you guys have anything else you want to bring up? Nope. Nope. I think we've done it. We'll see you next time. All right. Third Degree Burn. Signing off. Third Degree Burn. Say goodnight, Gracie. Goodnight, Gracie. How about Tim? Say goodnight, Tim. Goodnight, Tim. How about John Boy? Say goodnight, John Boy. Goodnight, John Boy. Uh, nobody, nobody in this crowd knows who that is. <laughs> Probably not.
Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. If you're interested in any of the books we cover in the show, just head over to tutufreaks.com and use the Amazon link to shop. This doesn't cost any extra, but it really helps support the shows. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn.